You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also for the podcast, a new sponsor, RCB Bank. Since 1936, RCB Bank has offered progressive products and a friendly service. Come in today to find out more about their loan promotion on new used refinance cars, boats, campers, and ATVs. Visit RCB Bank to learn more. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, restrictions apply. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host. Back with another episode down at the Oklahoma Hall of Fame today um, in their conference room. Quick uh, location change, but I mean, they've been a great sponsor and make things happen, and I really appreciate it. Uh, my guest today, we're going to talk a lot about Oklahoma history, which is not my area, so I'm glad I have two awesome guests on to talk about it. Um, Dr. Pa- uh, Dr. Patricia Lachlan is here, uh, who's currently at UCO, and then Sarah Janders here as well, and you guys, I mean, just team up and do some great work together, and I'm sure we're going to hear all about it. Um, but uh, before we dive into what's coming, you know, you're doing some great projects, I guess tell the audience, I mean, I guess your Oklahoma story. I guess who are you and, and, and what do you do? Well, so I guess I can go first because I can go back four generations um, on both my mother and father's side. My great-grandparents came to Oklahoma um, to try and establish a a better life for their families. And so we always joke that a lot of families have interesting antiques. Our antique is a family mattress, (laughs) a feather mattress from England that my great-grandmother brought. was one item she brought uh, in a covered wagon from Arkansas to Oklahoma not too long after statehood. And so I've got a lot of family all over the state. That's that's awesome, yeah. I, I'm originally from Mount Vernon, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest, and I studied with David Baird at Pepperdine University. And um, he thought that it would be a wonderful place to come study, yeah. uh, the American West Oklahoma State University. And so in 1995, I, I um, relocated from California to Oklahoma State in in uh, Stillwater, and I've been there ever since. And uh, Oklahoma is a very special place for those who go back many generations and those who are uh, yeah. relative newcomers. Uh, there's something for everyone here. It's a great place to right. grow professionally for me. Yeah, it's and same for me. I got. I mean, I've been here almost ten years now, and I, I tell everyone, I'm like. Why? There's no reason to leave. You know, they're like, my wife's like, I want to go home, but you know, back to my home. So I'm like, we can go visit, uh, but you know, it's not going to happen. So I guess, tell me a little bit about like why history? Like, why do you, why, why, what is intriguing to you about history at a young age that that you think I'm going to pursue this as a career? I always liked history because of the stories and the stories my grandmother would tell me about growing up during the Great Depression. Um, And then in, in undergraduate school at the University of Oklahoma, I realized that 
there were no other classes I took that inspired me as much. I also liked philosophy, and, and so I double majored in history and philosophy. But just the ability to constantly learn new things. And that's been one of the fun things, actually, about our projects is you never know all of history, right? No matter how narrow your focus is, you never know everything. And so you always have this opportunity to keep learning and remain curious. And so that's that's what I like about it. Yeah. So, so when, 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 when do you realize that? And I guess, what, is that in like high school and then going into college, like I'm going to study and, and go that route and I just kind of. started as an English major. I wanted to teach. I knew okay. I wanted to teach. I had some really bad teachers in high school um, and I hoped I could do better than that. And I thought it was important. So I always mm-hmm. wanted to teach, but I had a moment. I was an English major taking an old English class and I didn't like it. And I was taking Rob Griswold at the University of Oklahoma in a freshman survey class with like 220 students. And he was talking about Margaret Sanger and her work. And I thought, it's like I was the only person in the room for a minute. This is what I want to do. If I can, yeah. this is what I want to do. And so it's been history for me from that moment in that freshman survey class until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's fantastic. Yeah. And I would just add, I, I had some uh, really wonderful history and English uh, teachers in high school. And that continued in undergraduate and I agree with Sarah that the storytelling is so important, the family stories, the oral histories that you can capture in your family and with students in the classroom and beyond. And then for both of us, we share uh, expertise in women's and gender history, in uh, Native American history, history of the American West, Oklahoma history. So it's, uh, it's yeah. a lot of fun to get to work together. Yeah, yes. definitely. I guess, how did you guys get together? How did you guys meet? We started meeting at conferences, I guess, at Phi Alpha Theta conferences locally, and then we've both been very involved in the Western History Association and the the um, coalition for uh, women's Western history. And so that's how we kind of got to know each other. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. had talked about, you know, when we would meet up at conferences, we would talk about things that bothered us um, in Oklahoma history in terms of books that you could assign and where the focus was or projects that we really thought should be done on Oklahoma history and that were not being done. And so mm-hmm. we would collaborate in just through discussion at that point and talking about possibilities. Yeah. And then you came together and, and were like, hey, let's, let's do some work. Let's see what we can come up with. We've been working on some projects. And so one uh, is coming out in July of 2021 called This Land is Her Land on uh, gendered activism in Oklahoma from the 1870s to the 2010s. And so it spans um, time. And we have 13 contributors. Um, with subjects ranging from Rachel Caroline Eaton and the Cherokee Female Seminary yeah. all the way to uh, LaDonna Harris and Mary Fallon in the 2010s and beyond. So. Yeah. Yeah, we're very excited. We brought together, so ourselves included, there are 13 female scholars of Oklahoma history writing about 13 different women. Yeah. And we thought it would be interesting because we're all at different stages in our careers mm-hmm. and we like the idea of really expanding support for scholars at, at different mm-hmm. levels of their careers and then looking broadly at women 
you know, politics can become a taboo in polite society, I suppose, and certainly notions of activism. But the way we approach the project is to look at women who tried to affect change. And so that's how you can have a book that covers somebody like Clara Looper, um, but also mm -hmm. someone like Mary Fallon. And, and that's really what we were trying to, to do is to look at the experience of African-American women, Native American women, yeah. and white women, and, and sort of the roles that they've played in different periods of Oklahoma history in trying to affect change. And Oklahoma is this crazy place in many ways. You know, our yeah. first section is really on the fluidity of power and looking at these different ways that women engaged in power and sought to affect change in a society where things were, were fluid enough that you have moments of opportunity. They don't always last, and, right. and, and so this isn't kind of a, a project on boosterism. It's not, this is how we got to be the great state we are today, but it is looking at these lived experiences that women had and, and how they tried to contribute to society around them. Yeah, it's, I mean, the more you think about it, and I'm sure the more you dive into the research, right? Oklahoma, we are literally in the center of the country, and it's a melting pot for everyone coming in, traveling. You know, you dive down, and, and even when you go down your family tree, you find things, and you're like, wow, how do, how do they even get here, right? right? Same with me. You know, like, I look back at family, and, you know, you go down the ancestry route, like most people have done, right? And you're like, wow, I had no idea. Um, and, and especially, you know, with, with, the, with the female side of things, right? Like, it's, it's a, been a constant battle, and I feel like now with the podcast that I've done and the people I've met, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Shannon here is a great proponent for it as well. You know, it, it's just like every, every year seems to get incrementally better, right? Like we're just stepping, you know, we're stepping in the right direction every year. And that doesn't come from, you know, people just saying, oh yeah, we'll figure it out. That's like people and females fighting for it tooth and nail to just gain an inch, you know, every now and then. And over hundreds of years, it becomes, you know, what we have today, right? But you've got so many stories in those yes. 13 that you've picked, right? Or the, you know, just there's so many more. I'm sure it was hard to just nail it down to 13, right? But I mean, is there anything that really stood out to you during those stories from every era, I guess? You know, there, there are several. I mean, in the first period, we get Heather Klimmer. So since you went to SNU, mm -hmm. I'll mention yeah. Maddie Mallory, right? Yeah. This woman who amasses kind of a real estate empire in the process of trying to utilize idealized roles of womanhood yeah. to create opportunities for orphans and, and care for them. And so you get this kind of fabulous story of yeah. the work that she does. Um, but then you also get a look at Native women who are using the tools that are available to them to try and protect and promote tribal sovereignty. And that's one of the things we see across yeah. the centuries is women in different ways that, you know, Rachel Caroline Eaton is focused on reform within their tribe, looking at education opportunities and engaging in broader um, affiliations to try yeah. and promote those changes. And then you jump ahead to LaDonna Harris in our last section, really embracing ideas of um, how she can make these connections to foster change and protect the rights of indigenous people. And so finding themes like that, I think that's yeah. one of the things that, that really stood out. Yeah. 
Patty, what about you? Is there anything that like really just popped off the off the research books? I'm just so excited that the book is coming out and that we uh, get to talk about the wonderful cutting edge scholarship of um, women scholars. All 13 are women scholars, and um, some of them are graduate students. Some of them are just getting started in the profession. And others are more senior scholars, and I think I keep looking at Sarah because <laughs> that's kind of where we are now. We've been here a while, yeah. and it's our opportunity to bring others along with us and amplify their voices and their scholarship, and, as well as the topics that we study in this book. And so you can take a look at some of um, the panel discussions we've already had on these topics through the Oklahoma Historical Society. They did a wonderful public program with support from Oklahoma Humanities for the This Is Her Land um, in the fall, but it's available on YouTube all the time. Yeah. And as well, the book will come out in July. So we're just soon. thrilled. Real yes. soon. We really enjoy opportunities to showcase things that give people pause. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about, for example, the Equal Rights Amendment in the ba- Oklahoma was one of the battleground states. And so one of our chapters by Chelsea Ball looks mm-hmm. at a woman who is a Baptist minister's wife and she's this staunch advocate for the Equal Rights Amendment. Right? And, and so again, it's, it's Oklahoma there, all of these different, you think you don't necessarily think of conservative minister's wife yeah. becoming an advocate of the Equal right. Rights Amendment, right. but she was. And so making those kinds of interesting connections or looking at how the civil rights movement played out so very differently in Oklahoma than many parts uh-huh. of the country. So not just looking at people like Ada Lois Fisher and Clara Looper. Uh, my chapter is actually about an, a very little known woman, a white woman who ends up in a mental institution in Norman for five years because she tried to sell her house to a black man, right? So you, you have the, these sort yeah. of... Tell us the time period. 1963 right. to 1960. A lot sooner than most people right. realize. And, and yeah. so it's, it's just so... These aren't all stories of uplift. Um, yeah. She doesn't have a happy ending. But it really allows us to look at how these regional variations and moments of opportunity, that kind of interplay there, right. and how you see these women... And the book doesn't take you exactly where you expect it to. I think yeah. when you see the title and you you look at who we're examining in the book. And so that's been one yeah. of the fun things. Yeah. I think it must be tough sometimes, especially now, like with, I mean, people tearing down statues and hating on history. And like, it is tough. Bad stuff happened. But it's history. It happens. Like, I, I when I, and I'm not a historian, and I, but I like, when I see that, I don't know. It just kind of fights me, right? Because I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, it's 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 an issue, right? It was, it, but it was normal back then. All these things happened, and they're part of our history and part of the way we evolve. I, I don't know. It just kind of like, okay, it doesn't it's not a good thing that happened? But it, what's that like when you guys see stuff like that? Like how, with the stuff with the book, right? You've got to put bad stuff in there that's considered bad today. But it's lessons learned. It's history, and it's what these women mm-hmm. went through, and and they fought tooth and nail to get through that. Well, I'm thinking maybe this is an opportunity to talk about politics and our our latest project, uh-huh. which is an Oklahoma history textbook for high school students. Yeah, okay. And so both of us have a have a background in the American West, yeah. Native American history, Oklahoma history, women's and gender history. So that's what you're going to find sure. in our project. And if we're talking about monuments and commemoration, mm-hmm. we're talking about the Tulsa Race Massacre, yeah. but we're also talking about critical race theory, uh, what's going on mm-hmm. right now in Oklahoma. All of these things will be uh, 
of course we're going to talk about the state standards. All of that will yeah. be in the book. But I think we're really going to find examples and ways to engage high school students and really get them excited right. about all of the complications and um, stories uh, of their state of yeah. Oklahoma. And I, I really am so glad that we have fantastic uh, institutions like the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, the Oklahoma Historical Society, Oklahoma Humanities, the forthcoming OK Pop in Tulsa mm-hmm. and beyond, because those are the institutions we, we need right now yeah. when uh, politicians are really threatening uh, educators, I would say. You don't want history yeah. to be forgotten, do you? No, you don't. And I think uh, every person who teaches probably approaches things a little bit differently. Personally, I'm a believer in a kind of neutral space in the classroom, meaning that, you know, when when we've seen these recent discussions about critical race theory, part of what troubles me the most is I think there's this huge disconnect between what I think I do in the classroom and what legislators maybe think we do. Do I think that we should teach students at any age that they are inherently racist or sexist? No, I don't think that would be helpful. But I don't think, as a parent of a student who's 15, I don't think that's what I see in her classes. I don't, I mean, I've got plenty of criticisms (laughs) of things she's been exposed to, perhaps. but, But I don't think that that's been the case. You can't write away history. It's very problematic to do that. And teaching young people empathy is incredibly important. And so I'm, I'm a bit confused by some of the distinctions we're seeing in the legislature, the new legislation that the governor just signed into law. For this reason, if the idea is that we don't want to teach students things that make them feel bad, well, we're teaching them to have no empathy. Right. I think students often feel bad. When I read about the experiences of people in the Tulsa Race Massacre, I'm heartbroken. Yeah. When I read about the experiences of people that were involved with the cleanup at Pearl Harbor, when they listened to tapping aboard the Oklahoma for days, I'm heartbroken by that. And so it's not just about racial experience, ethnic experience, religious persecution, gender hostility. It's about a hum- broad broader human experience, and if you can't study the past and learn something from it or develop a little bit of empathy, then we've failed you as educators at all right. levels. And so I guess that to me is the most troubling part. What, what Patty and I really strive to do in our work is bring together multiple perspectives. And that's the best you can ever do in history. Look at it from different perspectives. So it would never occur to me that, you know, when I'm teaching a U.S. history survey and I start with the end of the Civil War, well, you have to talk a little bit about the Civil War. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I'm going to talk about what freedom meant to African-Americans who had just been set free from slavery. But I also want to talk about what it meant to white Northerners, which wasn't all the same. And I'm going to talk about what it meant to white Southerners. And nowhere in that discussion is there an effort to say, hey, you've got lighter skin. You should feel bad that this happened. You've got darker skin. What do you think about that? You you should never isolate and alienate students Mm -hmm. that way. And the moment you come across as super political in a classroom, you've just lost most of your class. Right. Because either they disagree with you and you've alienated them or they agree with you but they think you're a jerk because you're pushing whatever a is, political yeah. agenda yeah. so that that to me is frustrating so yeah. I guess that was a long answer no I agree I really, with you yeah I really like your response Sarah this idea you can't write away history and so we've been working on this proposal for a year and a half yeah. with the University of Oklahoma Press and what we're really excited about is we're going to have more of a focus on modern Oklahoma mm-hmm. so we'll talk about early we'll talk about early Oklahoma the development of Oklahoma the yeah 
coming together of the twin territories, Oklahoma Territory and Indian Territory. But I think a lot of students are really hungry for modern Oklahoma. Tell us about the 20th and yes. 21st centuries. Yeah, right. So that's what we're really excited to do. Yeah. I think if you're going to require state history, it's mm-hmm. helpful to get past statehood. Yeah. Right. And, and, and not enough of what has been out there does that very well. And so that's been one of, you know, whenever I teach, I usually teach Oklahoma history every spring semester at Cameron University, where, where I am. And every year I'm frustrated and I think, okay, we are getting further. Like I, right. I don't, we've, we can't wait until three quarters of the way through the semester to hit statehood yeah. because you lose all of this. And there's so many fascinating parts to Oklahoma and the construction of the constitution in the middle of the progressive era mm-hmm. and what, what that saddled the state with in many respects, or looking at Oklahoma, you know, in the civil rights era or the reassertion of tribal sovereignty that becomes so important in Oklahoma, even right. as we think now about the recent McGirt decision, like what, what right. in the world that's going to do to yeah. tribal sovereignty on the one hand, it, it, it's a fantastic win for tribes. On the other, the logistics of the implications of it um, are are fascinating and, and hard to kind of fully grapple with. And so being able to talk about some of those things um, is, is something that we really look forward to in the book and have yeah, prioritized yeah, yeah. In, in organizing the, the layout yeah. of the book. Do you struggle with like finding, not finding students, but like when I look back at my history classes, my I, I had a really boring history teacher, and, and I just despised history. Uh, and now, <laughs> now I enjoy it. Right yes. now, when you get older, you're like, you wow, that, that stuff's <laughs> actually really fascinating. It seems like there's not that many kids, or I say kids, students that really dive into and want to be historians and teachers and stuff like that. I, do you struggle like finding like, how is that being like a, an educator and like do we struggle to find students no, I mean yeah like I'm students, thinking, who, students feel, who like I, you push down I'm the history I'm just thinking path. I'm so sorry that you had these boring oh, uh, teachers because what if what if we thought about it now and thought about okay if that if that educator had encouraged you right. to do a podcast, exactly, encouraged yeah. you to incorporate technology, right. use make a podcast uh-huh. and make those connections between history yeah. and uh, today, and and I think because it's where exciting, the magic there's happens, so much right? cool stuff that happened, and yes. I was like, I mean, me being, you know, I'm 30 now, so I, I grew up kind of watching like I love war films, right? So like Band of Brothers was coming out, yes. and I loved all that World War II history, and we have a series in the UK, a book, young book series called Horrible History. And they're just cartoons, and they're brilliant. And when you're a kid, you'd love them, and they're pretty gory as well, but for, like, 10-year-old level. But, yeah, when I got to, like, high school, I just, like, I just didn't care, you know? And the, the U.K. is full of amazing history. It goes back, yes. you know, I, I walked through a castle to walk home every day, you know? But, like, I don't know. I just I, I can't remember anybody in my class uh, and anybody in my, apart from a buddy of mine that, like, now teaches history and is into history. I think we feel very fortunate to yeah. have the, the positions that we have as tenured yes. professors mm-hmm. of history, that we get to engage graduate and undergraduate students, yeah. that they are really excited about the topics that we teach, and uh, we get to work with them. And coming in today, uh-huh. I saw Bradley Fritch here That's at the Oklahoma right. Hall of Fame. He, he just received from the Oklahoma Historics 
Historical Society the Outstanding Thesis in Oklahoma History right. this year. So we get to work with people like Bradley, and yeah. I just think we're really fortunate. So you think it definitely starts at the 15, 16 age then in high school? You know, I think it can start then or earlier. I mean, my daughter, which I didn't expect, she really likes history. Um, my husband and I are both history professors at Cameron, so we assumed she would hate history. Yeah. She And she loves it, but this year, her best, her, her favorite teacher is her chemistry teacher. He's just fantastic and she was worried about going into chemistry but because of what a great teacher he is that's by far her favorite subject right now and so I think to me what that says is the importance of good teachers cannot ever be overestimated that's what inspires students and it it has such an impact on where they go I mean for me teaching it at Cameron we're a small regional institution we get a lot of first-generation college students I have a very different take on recruitment than I think the administration does which is I I have rarely ever told a student you definitely need to go into history right I think it has to be something that they love and maybe they come to love it and so I do more accidental recruiting which is you expose them and if they love it then you work with them and you help them but if a student says to me I don't really like to read or write to get a lot. Yeah. I don't say, well, that history is the best subject for you, right? And right. so I think you, you have to love what you do or mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. And so we have a, a much smaller group of history majors and then we also have social studies ed majors like you guys yeah. do, Patty. And for them, I think part of what you're trying to do is is open up discussions of, of how you teach and, and how to approach stuff. Right. And you find ways of allowing them to connect to the past in a meaningful way for them. And uh-huh. that's what sort of gets them through programs. That's what maintains their interest. But you, you've got to have good teachers or yeah. it just sort of falls by the by the wayside. And, and yeah. so I think that's how you not only get students to major in a subject, but you you allow them option and choice. History is not for everyone. As much right. as I love it, it, it is certainly not for people who don't like the past or right. don't want to read yeah. and write. But yeah, it's and and to clarify, because I know Dr. Clemmer is probably listening. It's not talking about you. I was talking about my high school history teacher. By the time I got to Dr. Clemmer's class, I was oh, an you athlete. had Dr. Clemmer yeah. for your yeah. for and, history. Yeah, and she got me through my history class. Uh, and but, so, what did you like so much about the about her course and her I mean, teaching just, style? I think, and uh, well, I said this before we started recording. She gave a buddy of mine uh, like a chance, basically, and, and real like he was my basically played on my golf team I'm talking about Tim Broughton who's now a coach at SCU and teaches teaches history but uh, he did not like being in the classroom and I played golf so I was like just get me through that I didn't care about school that much because I knew I was going to play golf or do my marketing degree so it was an elective like, just, <laughs> I, I'll take a C and just I'll try not to be you know pain I just won't do this um, but I got to see what she did with him and like you know he loves history and I don't think he, he was growing up he wasn't the best student and now he has a, I think he has his Oh, no, his doctor. He has his masters. And oh, fantastic! So, I mean, just, he's just great. done amazing things. So, and she's always been great to me as yeah, well, which is always is nice. Yeah, she's so good. Uh, I think she's she realized so that I wasn't going to be an A or you know A student and wasn't going to have a career in history, but she could get cared enough to get but, me through and like that I'd like. You know, but I'm thinking what you're doing with your podcast. This is it's, Oklahoma. Yeah, it's crazy. It brings isn't it? together so many yeah. of these. She roped you in more than you realized. I think so. Yeah, yes. I mean, probably should have her on the podcast now you that we've should. mentioned it. You should. You um, should. You mentioned <laughs> we'll modern. Yeah, you mentioned <laughs> modern history, uh, and the older that we get, right? We, you know, history obviously continues, and you know, I love 
rock music and classic Ooh, now yes. classic rock music now is what I was listening to not like what I thought was classic rock, rock right. music um, but when you talk about history as well obviously it's, you know modern history was is like the bombing right and and stuff that's happening mm-hmm. you know like in like said 2000s mm-hmm. and I mean I, that stuff that I'm sure like, kids they, they you know they were born after it right yes. so they didn't remember it but you're right it's that fine uh-huh. period where they're not teaching it in school yet yes. because it's not old enough technically or not history but it is it's mm-hmm. that must be really exciting to teach that stuff I think what we are finding is that quite a few students who come to us at Cameron and University yeah. of Central Oklahoma maybe their history the, the courses that they took in high school they may have ended at World War II right. and so they yeah. want to know about the civil rights movement yeah. Yeah. they want to know about what's going on today and then when we've been surveying Oklahoma history textbooks preparing for our own project a lot of them seem to end many of them seem to end with the Oklahoma City bombing and now that's been over how long has right. that been? been 20 yeah. 25 years ago yeah it is yeah and so we we are going to talk about modern Oklahoma we'll talk about the Tulsa race massacre we'll talk about the civil rights movement we'll talk about music and rock and roll and and red dirt and yeah. blues, um, but we'll also talk about the Oklahoma City bombing. We'll talk about the thunder. We'll talk about OK Pop, that new popular culture museum yeah. that's being developed in Tulsa. So we're gonna we're gonna bring it all together in this book. Well, yeah. and I think one of the problems with the way a lot of Oklahoma history is covered is there's all of this discussion of indigenous people before statehood, mm-hmm. and then it's as though they disappear. And so tribal sovereignty is vibrant mm-hmm. and very mm-hmm. much affects the entire state and so being able to talk about not just the past of Native American history but looking at what happened in the post 1970s period is I think so important yes and when you mentioned the Oklahoma City bombing I think that's one of those subjects that um, we struggle a lot with in teaching in Oklahoma history particularly thinking about you know most high school students will take that class Oklahoma history in ninth grade and thinking of how even though it, it won't be an event that they obviously remember Oklahoma is a small enough state that you have people who are affected by yeah. it I was an undergraduate when it happened and I always tell my students I, I've never been to the memorial I know I should yeah. but I was traumatized by it I was at work when it happened I had you know not anyone that I was really close to die or be directly affected but my best friend was on her way and turned around to go home because she forgot her paperwork right. or she would have yeah. been there and there were just you know so you think about the sensitivity required in teaching something like that you always have to be aware of how the past might affect somebody when you're you're looking at if you're teaching students who have family going back a few generations in Oklahoma, they're going to have family stories about the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. Uh, and and so I think bringing in sensitivity to that and thinking about, well, what is it important? What's important to know about it? Is it the Oklahoma standard? Is it the redevelopment that took place? Is it just the gore of what happened that day? Because it's very painful for yeah. a lot of Oklahomans still. And, mm-hmm. and so that that's a struggle to try and think about. Right. Um, I was just covering this in my Oklahoma history class toward the end of the semester. And, and I was telling the students, look, I, I don't have a particularly special experience with it, but I can tell you it's a even though it was long enough ago, it's a hard subject mm-hmm. to talk about. So 
I always lighten it up because it's a story about my brother that amuses me. We're very different. He's an international yoga instructor and he was studying in India when the Oklahoma City yeah. bombing happened with someone who didn't speak English. And the man heard the coverage and put together enough words to find my brother and say, big bomb, Oklahoma gone. Yeah. And so, and then that was, and it took him a while to be able right. to get through to us. And he didn't really think that that was right, but it just, you know, looking at it again from multiple perspectives yeah. and it's, so I think for me, that'll be, that's a challenging part to cover um, in the textbook because you want to talk about the past, but it's, it's important to be respectful of pain yeah. and, and, and negative experience that, that people have associated with yeah. that. There are a lot of positive ways that the state came together in the aftermath yeah. of it. And that's what gives us the idea of the Oklahoma standard. But, you know, there are people today that still suffer uh -huh. with post-traumatic stress disorder as a result. And the April annual April celebrations or commemorations is a better word yeah. are painful for them. Better, and, yeah. and that bears remembering and, and treating with caution and mm -hmm. respect, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a, a friend of mine from SNU, his mum passed during it yeah. and I had him on the podcast and, and, and he asked me, he's like, I, I'd love to come on and share my and mum's story. And I couldn't think of anything. You know, that was for me, that was like, because you know, I never want to, oh, I'd love to, you know, I never want to say, you know, can you come on the podcast and talk right. about the bombing? I'm never, right. never going to talk that. But he reached out and was like, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I'm not, never going to say no to that. Like, mm -hmm. come on, you know, shit. And it was, he was, every year he's, you know, does the marathon and talk to him every, you yes. know, not every day, but talk to him every now and then. And yeah. it's, uh, he's doing great things. Um, but he talked about in the podcast, you know, his dad, his older sister, I mean, just how it affected different parts. He was really young, so it didn't affect him too much. But, you know, it affected his older sister and, and just generations, how it affects people, right? And, and he sees that through his life and, and he meets, you know, it's, you're right, the, the ripple effects, the devastation through families and for generations, it's, it's hard to deal with, isn't it? But when you talk about the standard, right, and how it develops and, and, and now the city bounces back, the state mm -hmm. bounces back, mm -hmm. you talk about, you know, maps and everything that came from that. And then, like you mentioned, bringing the thunder and that whole yes. story of how the thunder gets you. Yes. You know, if you read um, uh, Mayor Holt's book about, yes. you know, Big League City and like... How, how do we even, you know, I'm so glad it wasn't a hockey team. You know, like, <laughs> how, how do we write it? Because not a hockey fan at all. But you're like, how, you know, how that all happens. And, you know, and, and we have the Thunder here now. And I don't think we'll ever have an NFL team. We don't need one. But just the, the stuff that happens to get, you know, the, the, the city, you know, grows. And then, like, Bricktown transforms, right? Yes. And now you have the Chickasaw Nation at the ballpark. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. like, all of this stuff that happens. And now we have other, you know, areas developing and... It's, you know, the whole Scissors Hill Park, right? How, what that used to be, right? I, I mean, it used to be just concrete and no one liked to look at it, mm -hmm. you know? The, the Devon Tower was the only cool thing that we had. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. I mean, only, I've only been here 10 years and just in my 10 years of seeing the difference, oh, you know, yes. it's fantastic. But oh, it's, I'm blessed to be here. It's awesome. Um, so finishing up, I guess, about, you know, the book is coming out in July uh, and now people will be teach students you'll be teaching at the book as well right to your students um, I guess anything that you like anything we haven't mentioned that you're excited about or just stuff that's in the book that might get passed over because of all the awesome stuff in there that you were like oh this is like a really cool intric intricacy of it or something like that 
I think that reading each chapter on its own merits uh-huh. and then stepping back and seeing the connections that exist across decade and across race and ethnicity and experience to get an understanding of how this lived experience of women has changed over time and, and what they attempted to do. And, and and so those are some of the themes that, that stand out to me, that the scholars that contributed to this are all outstanding historians in their own right and have made these wonderful contributions. Usually the people that I know that have worked on edited collections what to pull their hair out at the end. And so what you won't see in the book, but I want everyone to know is like how fabulous the people were that we worked with, like deadline meters, all of them. I mean, yeah. it was it was really a very positive experience for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So we would encourage everybody to read the book and, um, and to support the women scholars and all of the topics that are covered in the book. And I think for us, uh, we learned that we work well together. We work well on deadline. Um, We uh, have similar interests, but we approach the topics from a variety of different views. Mm -hmm. And so we we learn from the uh, contributed volume Let's let's continue to collaborate, yeah. and now yes. let's work on this textbook because what we're so excited about is to think deeply about this, to encourage and engage high school students yeah. to um, be excited and to um, uh, you know to to focus on their critical thinking skills too as they're learning more about Oklahoma history from a variety of perspectives, but. Um, we're going to be able to reach so many more students and perhaps several generations of Oklahomans through the yeah. Oklahoma history textbook. Yes, and so this is a long-term project. We're working on it now, but it won't be yeah. out until 2025. Okay, so that would have been my follow-up question. What's next? So this is the long project then. That's what's coming out. Yeah, it is. And what we hope to bring to it, again, are these kinds of varied experiences of people across the state of Oklahoma and allow students opportunities to connect with the past more directly. Yeah. A lot of people don't like history at first, and usually people like it more with age. But what, what tends to help students is if they can make a connection to their own lives and their own experiences. And what we really want is for students, regardless of you know their religious beliefs, their parents' political affiliations, their race, their ethnicity, to be able to see themselves in the book when they read it and identify with it. And that's been such a challenge for historians, particularly in the last 50 years or so is to try and think about the past. You know, if you read about the past and you're not in it, right, and there's nothing you can relate to, then it, you just feel erased. Yeah. And and so I think one of the most significant things that we can contribute, aside from, you know, talking about the 20th century, mm-hmm. um, is, is to give students that ability to connect with the past and see themselves in it yeah. in a neutral way. Right. Where you you see that there are a lot of people who are in dire poverty who come to Oklahoma looking for opportunity and their story bears study and, and bears thought and looking at the impact on indigenous people and land dispossession and all of these sorts of things and looking at the struggle for African-American freedmen 
in the early period and, and kind of connecting that to ongoing struggles today. So I think those are the things that we're really excited about. So Absolutely. many stories, isn't there? There's yes. the endless, right? Yes. You, know, you, you just, you talk about one person and then the spider web that comes off them and you're like, you know, and I, the thing about my podcast and what I love doing is like, you find out who someone is, why they do it, right? What gets them, what makes them tick. And I see your passion talking about history. It's really cool to see it and, you know, to keep evolving and, and keep doing it and just, it's just fun to do, isn't it? You know, I'm sure some days she's like, why am I doing this? It's a giant headache. <laughs> but then there's others who are like, wow, look what I found out today. And this is why that person did that thing. And this is what it meant. And now 50, 40 years later, this is what has happened because of that start. You know, it's, it's really cool to see. Um, anything else we want to cover before we finish? Well, I would just say when you ask about why are we here in Oklahoma and how has Oklahoma shaped us, I feel so fortunate to to be a professor of history in Oklahoma, yes. and we're able to teach the courses that we enjoy, yeah. American West, Oklahoma history, Native American history, women and gender history. We are fortunate, yeah. and we both do that, and we're so excited to do it. And so thank you for the opportunity for us to come on your podcast. This is Oklahoma. It's really yeah. wonderful work, Mike. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's uh, it's still don't believe it's happening it's crazy how many episodes we've had and how many great guests we've had and you guys are just adding to the list and it means so much um so yeah thank you so much for coming down uh for everyone listening i'll post the links to uh the ladies bio and you can go and check them out and if there's anything you want to find out reach out um and if you want to become a historian these are the two people you want to reach out to so thank you so much for listening yeah thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next episode cheers this podcast is presented by the oklahoma hall of fame telling oklahoma story through its people since 1920 for more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Also, huge shout out to RCB Bank for jumping on board to be a sponsor. RCB Bank's loan promotion is here for a limited time. Head into any of their 40 Oklahoma locations to get as low as 1.79 APR on your next car, boat, camper, or ATV. Apply online at rcbbank.com. RCB Bank, that's my bank. Rate and finance with approved credit. Restrictions apply at member FDIC. Huge shout out to my sponsors. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.